Get to Old Navy now for February's biggest style steal. 40% off all jeans and tees. Jeans start at just 18 bucks for adults, 12 bucks for kids. With tees from just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids. All jeans and tees are on sale, even your favorite rock star jeans. All jeans and all tees are 40% off right now. Don't miss out. Run into Old Navy and OldNavy.com today. Valid 211 to 221 excludes in-store clearance jeans and tees. Active licensed and men's package tees. Run into Old Navy Saturday and Sunday for 50% off all Old Navy active styles for adults and kids. They're all 50% off. But hurry, it's Saturday and Sunday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 215 to 216 excludes in-store clearance and baby. Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me sales. Hey, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. On tonight's show, I'll have many guests. We'll be doing a roundtable discussion on killing Sasquatch. If you go to SasquatchChronicles.com, you can actually watch the video feed from tonight's show. Thanks so much, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Black thing go from left to right, and I thought, I'm going to die out here. No one's ever going to know. I couldn't believe what my eyeballs were showing me. I'll never forget how evil the eyes were. It was horrible. I mean, I've never seen nothing that evil. It ran towards me at a, at a rate that I, I I can't even explain. Turned and stared at me. And this look of, I just want to kill you. I want to say it was human, but it wasn't. He was, he was, he was yelling at me to grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 911, what are you reporting? Jesus Christ, you better... Sir, Gio. Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh Uh-oh. You're listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. Check us out online at sasquatchchronicles.com. If you've had an encounter, email me. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you this evening. Uh, We're doing our... What are you laughing at? (laughs) We're doing our uh, uh, roundtable, and I got Woody here in studio, and I got the guys. You guys will see him up on the screen. Uh, I got Mr. Uh, Tony Merkel, who is the host of The Confessionals. If you get a chance, check it out on iTunes, Stitcher. I've been promoting it like crazy, and, and Tony's doing such a great job with it. Tony, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. And I also have Mr. Seawood, Tom Seawood. How are you, sir? Good, doing good. Nice to be back again, Woody. Our Wes and Woody. <laughs> no, that's all right. And we also have Duke. Duke, how are you? Doing great. Always fun to be with you guys. 
And finally, we have Charles. And Charles is actually on the website. Uh, and I, I know he wants to go by Chuck. But, you know, one of the things I like about Chuck, and it, you guys will see him on the website. It's it's under Charles R. Uh, he posts some of the best comments. And I usually go and read his comments because they're very thought-provoking. And he adds a lot to it. So thank you, Chuck, for being a part of the site and and the thoughtful comments. And thanks for coming on the show. Oh, glad to be here, Wes. Southeast Ohio. Yeah, it's good to have you. Normally Bigfoot territory, but it is now. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about doing this show, guys, is I tried to get someone to come on who was staunchly against killing one of these things. And you would think if someone's that passionate, they would actually come on the show. I don't know if they felt like they were going to be attacked by coming on or or not, which I would never do. But um, it was really hard to get someone who was completely against killing one of these things to come on the show, which was a little frustrating, you know, because I think most people are kind of middle of the road. It's kind of they could go one way or another. I guess we'll find out tonight. But in my opinion, I would think, you know, and there's so many stories about these things being shot and being killed. Uh, And for me, I think you almost would have to kill one to prove it. It's the only way you're actually going to prove Sasquatch is real to the public. I think most of us here know it's real, but uh, it's it's the only way you're actually going to get proof of these things. Uh, what are your thoughts? You guys go ahead. Tom, what do you think? Do you think that one of these things has to be shot and proven? And you can be honest about yes, it. Yes, undoubtedly. It's the only way. And uh, the biggest hurdle to doing that is, you know, Squeezing off and getting one is one thing, but it's the government interaction afterwards. And that's what I think happens every time. It's, you know, the government intervenes, shuts the person up, gives them a good financial Band-Aid to put over their mouth, and the thing disappears and we never hear about it again. So that's the way I look at it. But, you know, but personally, I won't go hunt one. I won't try to kill one because of our First Nations beliefs on it. And for the audience, tell us your First Nation beliefs on killing one of these things. I'm wearing traditional attire of the Kwakwakiwak Nation from northern Vancouver Island. Cedar bark headpiece, abalone frontlet, and then I have a tunic on with a filler whale design on it, what we call Maginuk. But with the Kwakwakiwak people, we're taught right from childhood that you never disrespect these creatures. So, for example, if they're throwing sticks at you or rocks, don't throw it back. Turn around, leave where you are, and leave them alone. They're just telling you that this is our area right now. We don't want you here. There's some stories I've heard that if you see them, don't look at their eyes. It's disrespecting them. And, of course, when you're out hunting and everything, heed the warnings. Trees being shook, rotten trees being pushed over, wood bangs against the log or, you know, out here on the coast, we have a lot of driftwood on our beaches and logs, so... You're going to hear that dry, resonating driftwood against a tree or a log line on the beach and bang, 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 bang. And that's telling you, stop, turn around, get in your boat, get out of there because they don't want you there. And if you do kill one, you know, my father was adamant with me when I first went into the bush in my 20s. And he says, if you see one, don't you dare shoot it. He goes, there are stories about people shooting them and bad comes befalls the family either the loved ones around them are gonna die 
or else the people who disrespected and shot the animal or hurt it, they're going to die. And uh, he gave an example of two guys who'd shot one out back in the 50s, I think it was, and the shotgun and bird shot, and they just wounded it, and it was screaming. But he gave the example how both of them, one of them drowned tragically, and the other one, I can't remember how he passed, but he passed away. You know, this was within a year, so it instills in the modern times the First Nations' belief and our laws that you don't disrespect them, you don't try to kill them, and if you do, something bad's going to happen to you and your family. So that, you know... You don't play with that kind of stuff. You know, me being in the bush, I've seen them, I've heard them. You know, I got away from them. Let them have that chunk of bush. I didn't need to be there all the time. So, and one of them was our sea kayak camp when we got chased out of there. It's, you know, it's just respect. But like I say, as the First Nations in Canada, we have a federal law that says we're allowed to harvest for food, social, ceremonial purposes, food and resources. So as far as I'm concerned, being an ex-hunting guide for grizzly bears and black bears and other animals, being a bushman and, you know, knowing how to use a gun properly and how to dispatch an animal so that when I do squeeze, it's more than likely going to buckle and DOA when the chin hits the ground. I've had them in my iron sight. I chose not to squeeze the trigger when I was young and dumb in my 20s. Will I get that chance again? I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to hunt them. But if that SOB comes after me, I tell you, once they get within 20 feet of me, they become food, social, ceremonial. I don't care what it is. If that thing's got a heartbeat, I'm going to be taking that heart out and those shoulders so it buckles. And that's the way I look at it. And, you know, if I happen to be the one here next week when I go into bush and it happens, well, so be it. I guess I was the one that had to come in and get one. But I don't look at it that way. I just, you know, know that out in the bush, I'll protect myself at all costs, especially my two children, 13 and 16, that will be flying here to spend two weeks with their father. We're going to be in a bush and we're going to be setting trail cameras up and I'm going to have children in the forest. Well, my daughter anyway, and from the stories I've shared with you all, we know the curiosity the big fellas have for children. You know, if something happens, great. Maybe we get some video and some film, maybe a trail camera shot. But if that SOB comes in within 20 feet of my family, I'll tell you right now, I don't care what it is. I'm going to be putting as much Barnes X copper slugs and bullets into that animal. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. how the, the opinion of most people is uh, with these things. You know, if, if they come, if they're in danger, you shoot them. But that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I think one has to be shot for to prove it. It's heartless as that sounds. No one likes to hear that. And I'd like to get everyone's opinion on it. I know uh, Woody's here in studio, Tony, Duke, and Chuck. Uh, there's a lady that, uh, and Duke knows who I'm talking about. It, it was an insider that I had on the show one time. And she talked about killing one of these things and how to kill one of these things. And she talks about their chest structure and their bone structure, their bone density. And she says, if you read a lot of historical accounts with these creatures, when they're shot, most of the time they don't drop dead. Most of the time they're up and they'll run off or they'll run off in pain. And she was talking about their bone structures, how dense the chest is and how dense the skull structure is. And she was saying, you know, even if you had a three fifty seven and you put a bullet, you shot one in the head, you're probably just going to ring its bell. You're not going to penetrate it, uh, the, the actual skull of one of these creatures. Uh, but she talked about the heart placement. She talked about their hearts aren't where our hearts are at. It's actually closer to the armpit. 
And so a lot of times, even if you do penetrate that, that muscle structure and those, the rib cage and everything, you're probably not going to actually kill one anyway. And uh, it's got almost has to be a headshot on killing one of these things. What do you, what is your thoughts on, on killing one of these things? Well, honestly, excuse me, honestly, I think it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very touchy subject. Uh, I, I think one definitely has to be killed uh, in order to prove it. But for me, uh, and I hate to go back to my own experience, but from what I saw, I, I believe it's, what if it's not actually a flesh and blood creature? What if it's, what if it's something else? What if it's uh, some sort of spiritual or paranormal type creature? Um, and I say that because of the experience that I had, uh, the way that it moved, um, the way that it, it jumped, it, it, it doesn't, it didn't seem to be part of this world. And I think a lot of people need to kind of relax when we're talking about shooting Bigfoot. You know, there's been a lot of stories, a lot of people saying that they've shot Bigfoot. Well, you know, and Tom, and I'm not discrediting what you said, but uh, you know, where is, where's the proof? You know, it could be a government cover up. Um, I'm not real sure, but I think one does definitely has to be shot. I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. And I'm not so sure it's ever going to happen to be honest with you. Um, just kind of like the lady that you were just talking about. Yeah. And she's saying, well, the heart is more towards the armpit. Well, how does she know? Well, she actually worked for the, or claimed to work. Actually, I got her paperwork. She does work for the military. Uh, she does work for the government, and Dukes is the only person on this panel that knows who it is. Mm. Uh, but she did send me her military paperwork, and she does have a very high uh, classification as far as you know stuff she can see. And I forget mm. what, what, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, but she d- is very high up as far as uh, the military goes, and she was going into the different types and how the military uh, labels the different types. And they use like a numbering and lettering system. And the the government agency she worked for was three letters. It wasn't like Department of Interior. Or it wasn't like the Marines or it wasn't like um, – it was actually Air Force. But the area where she actually worked was a three-letter um, – and, and again, you're right. Well, it's, I, I understand what you're saying. It, it's, it's just stories. Yeah, I, I'm sure she probably Did knows. Did you work out a right bat by chance? Did she work out of Wright-Patterson? Wright-Pat Air Force Base? No. Okay. Because I know there's people there that are involved in it. Continue. I mean, hey, look, I'm all for it. I'm all for shooting one. I think it has to happen. Will it ever happen? I'm not so sure. I I mean, I hate to be Debbie Downer on it, but uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. You know, and it's funny because we were talking about this a little bit earlier, so I thought I'd look it up on the Internet. And uh, I can't believe everything that's online, but... Some of the things that I found is every five, every like 5.4 years, apparently one Sasquatch gets killed. And I saw that not only a one on one um, internet site, but I saw them two or three said the same thing. Uh, where they get that information, I'm not sure. Uh, I, 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 well, for the, what's that? What's for, that? The, for the listeners out there, you know, I think we went up, barked up a bad tree here when we mentioned heart. Um, you don't want to go for a heart of any animal unless you're going to side profile them like what we do with bears when they're on the beach or in an estuary eating grass. We'll actually, ooh, 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 and the bear will place its paw down and it'll turn, lift one leg and look at the noise where it came from. 
And that's when you go lung, heart, lung, blow outside shoulder. And that way, if it is a bad shot and you just don't blow that outside shoulder, but you, you, you know, hit it enough to damage it, you're going to get a spinner. But if you hit a true lung, heart, lung, outside shoulder, you have DOA when that chin hits the ground. And you'll see the bears with the grass in their mouth and everything. They're dead when they hit. So telling people to go for the heart of a creature that's looking at you is like telling someone to shoot a grizzly bear when he's charging you. No, you put a couple slugs in there, get sideways and start dumping into those shoulders and try to buckle it. But as you're hitting shoulders, you're hitting lung. And that's the only way I can see getting one of these creatures. Number one, have a 30 caliber or bigger or 40 cal out there. Um, I can't speak for 50 cals because I don't use them. I've never shot one. But with the 30 cals and especially the weather, Weatherby calibers and that, you have one looking at you. You don't have a shot. You're going to take out one lung and maybe hit a heart. And we don't even know where that heart is placed in that, up, in that upper chest. So the best thing to do is if the person's going to squeeze off on one, you better make damn sure that that thing's side profiled so you can get that lung, heart, lung, outside shoulder. That thing's not, if it doesn't buckle, it's going to run. But if you get two lungs, it's going to gurgle out, foam out, and it's going to suffocate real quick. And you're going to have a good blood trail to follow. Because no, Tom, I've gone after... What? I, Tom, I guess, what I, I guess what I was saying was, is uh, maybe, I, maybe I didn't say it clear enough, but uh, what I'm saying is, is I'm not sure that maybe this thing has a heart. I'm not so sure that it is a flesh and blood creature. I mean, we have, we have, uh, I've done several interviews, you know, too, back in the day, but uh, several interviews with people saying that it is, it, they followed the tracks, they tracked it, and they walked it, you know, trying to follow it, and all of a sudden the tracks just disappear. And I've spent, I've actually spent some time with Ron Moorhead and some of his theories. And I, I know some of his stuff is, uh, you know, it could be a little far fetched, but some of the stuff that I think that maybe Ron Moorhead says isn't too far, too far off from what I believe. And that's only just what I believe. Uh, well, I'm on the I, opposite end of the spectrum. And I, and that, that. I, I know, and that's when you went into that. Well, you know, the the side profile shot. Yeah, I'm a hunter too. I know, I know where the sweet spot is. But yeah. uh, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm not quite sure that there is that that lung that you can blow out, the heart that you can blow out. I'm not sure you can drop it with a gun. I don't think it's possibly. It, what if the possibility was that this thing is not uh, has blood pumping through its veins? What if it? What if it doesn't actually? What if it's something else other than an actual creature? And I know I, I, some of us here have had, uh, you know, encounters. I know Tom, you made the comment earlier about you had one in the sights. You, you, you were in your younger years and you didn't pull the trigger. But what if you did? Would it, would the bullet actually drop that creature? What if? What if it is not an actual flesh and blood, breathing, heart beating creature? And I guess that's kind of where I'm at because what I've based, and I hate to go back to my own my own encounter, but from the things that I've seen, well, one time, <laughs> but from my experience, uh, it, it didn't make sense. It was like it wasn't supposed to be here. It, it, it didn't. It didn't seem like it was uh, not even of this planet. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so I find it really hard to believe that um, it, so, some of the stuff I've read online, some of the interviews that I've done, that sasquatch has actually been shot killed i mean here it is i was just reading it you know every five points every five point some near and and they're saying that there was like 85 bigfoot have been killed well come on give me a break man if 85 bigfoot have been killed since i i think it went i'd have to go back and find it guys i'm sorry but it was like 
early 1900s, early 1800s when they started documenting some of the stuff. But we're, we're, you know, if it was that, if it was, we go back that far to the late, the late 1800s, you're telling me we can't, we haven't been able to bring Bigfoot out from the late 1800s to where we are now in 2017. To me, it doesn't make sense. And I, and for that reason, I think everyone gets all excited about, oh, you can't shoot Bigfoot. Wes actually did have death threats from people saying that, you know, he was, they were upset, asked him to cancel the show, excuse me, and whatnot. And so people just need to relax. I mean, here it is 2017, and none of us have one in our garage, like Wes says. None of us have been able to study it. And and from what I've seen, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think it would be like a Ghostbuster trap you're going to have to throw out and capture the thing. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, and I understand what you're saying. I mean, they it is something when you see it, and all of us can agree on that. It doesn't really seem like it belongs here. Um, so I understand what he's coming from. I think for me it's so frustrating because – how many encounter stories do you have to do? I mean, really. And you look at the researchers that um, come on and give their research. No one knows anything. Not one of them know anything. I said this on a, a member-only show. I said, get some of these research researchers together and ask them to tell you five things interesting about Sasquatch that no one else knows. And I guarantee you can't get one that can actually come up with five interesting things about Sasquatch that no one else knows or that you haven't heard from my show. And so it's so frustrating because I guess I just want this mystery to be solved. And I guess it's somewhat selfish saying I'd like to see one shot. Uh, Chuck, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are something I could never do because I think they're a really common in everything and probably several hundred thousand years old, if not older. And they should be protected by the same rights as humans are. But they're not recognized as such. If somebody can go out and take one and successfully do it, well, then, by gosh, let them be the person to do it. But once you do it, and, you know, the GCBRO is on with their show Killing Bigfoot. Well, of course, with as big a film crew as they have around them, they're not going to get one up there close to them at night to take it. But those guys, long before their show was on, was doing all this for quite a few years, and they've never had any success yet. And they've got the right right weapons, and they look like pretty experienced and seasoned hunters, and, and they're in the right areas. But to date, nothing's happened. But uh, in order to get this species recognized, it is going to have to take a body. And I do think they're flesh and blood. They might have other abilities, too. I'm certain they probably have some. At least they work a lot better in the dark than we do. We know that for a fact. But uh, anyway, that's where I stand on it. No, and I respect that. I think, you know, I'm kind of with you on that. You know, I'd like to see the guys from Killing Bigfoot actually kill one. Again, no one likes to hear that, but that's the way I feel. I'd love for them to kill one. I think it'd be the greatest day ever if they actually did shoot one and drag it in. But uh, like Chuck says, like Chuck says, uh, you know, they they got cameras on them and they got cam- film film crews out there. You know, there's probably a guy with a boom mic off to the side. And it'll never happen. It'll there's never too happen. Much, too, too much, too much going, going on. on. They're never they, they're never gonna get it. They're not hunting. They're building people to watch their show. They're selling Viagra and Coca Cola commercials and getting sponsorship. <laughs> that is not hunting. Hunting. We're gonna show you hunting with our show here pretty soon. And even if it's going to just go up on YouTube so I can share it. But I'm going to show you what true hunting is all about. That's when you go out there. And like my partner who I talked to, because I want the pictures, he's just coming out to be my backup. 
and uh, you know we're gonna go out total stealth, which means three days in the bush, no smoking cigarettes, no eating modern foods, and rubbing spruce all over us and moss and getting our bush stink on. And when we go into that bush, we're not talking. We're not lighting cigarettes. We're not doing what they're doing. We're total stealth move. Everything we do is like a cougar on a stalking an animal. That's proper hunting. So whenever you see any of these shows, myself anyway, and they're out trying to hunt the Sasquatch, I just roll my eyes and go, no, they're just getting ratings. That's all it is. And as far as it being a creature, I think we have enough evidence with Bossberg footprint on the injured foot and how it, you know, changed, you know, the shape of it and everything. I'm tracking what we call one eye right now on Vancouver Island, just with reports I'm tracking it, where some native guys out hunting shot it with a tele. 20 caliber deer gun a few years ago and he's been showing up all over the place on Vancouver Island Central here and right there you know there's reports of people seeing this thing with its one eye closed and all festered up so did they shoot it in the eye? they shot it in the eye and that's what we're waiting for the snow to melt so we can get trail cameras in there because on Vancouver Island the Sasquatches don't like snow they just get off the mountains anyone who's in Vancouver Island looking in snow they're wasting their time They'll see elk, and that's about it, because all the Sasquatches right now with the herring spawn on there and all the bays where there's no snow right now, and, uh, you know, it's a solid herring. You just pick up bushel loads of herring right now on different areas on throughout Vancouver Island and the archipelagos and on the mainland. So it's, you know, it's everything I'm putting out there on Sasquatch Island is a template for someone who wants to go out there and hunt it and I'm not going to say what they're using, whether it be a gun or a camera, but I'm giving them the the blueprint as a hunter on how to get close to these ant, these creatures that are out there. And as far as them being spiritual and that, no, it's a creature. You know, and like I said, creatures don't have festering eyes after getting a 20 caliber launched at it from over 200 yards and uh, showing up all scarred up and aggressive. You know, something that's in the woo-woo end of the spectrum with these creatures doesn't get injured. And whether or not there is something on that woo-woo side, I ain't even going there. I ain't crossing the midline. I'm staying on the creature, heartbeat, blood. And, yeah, we put a bullet or a Barnes X copper sabot or shell into one of them. Yeah, we can drop them. And it's going to happen in our lifetime. Yeah, I'd like to see it happen. I mean, I understand Woody's point, though. I mean, no one has one in their garage that they're studying. So, I mean, at the end of the day, no one really knows. It's all anecdotal stories. But uh, And I, I lean more with you, Tom, on this whole thing. I think one could be killed, but I can understand when people say they don't think that one could be killed. What are your thoughts, Tony? Um, well, I think there's a lot of different ways you can look at this topic, and I think a lot of people do look at it in 10 different directions and people who believe certain things will not cross lines. Um, for instance, one thing that one question that I get with my group that I run is why do you need to prove it? And so you can have those people who are like, well, why, why would we kill something? We know it exists. So why do we need a, you know, a body to prove to anybody else? We know. Um, bottom line is for me personally, uh, I don't think I personally could, shoot it. Um, I'm not a hunter. And when I think about hunting deer, I think, I don't think I could kill a deer either. Like I just, you know, maybe a bird or something like that, but like, I just think I would have a hard time killing a deer in itself. So killing a Sasquatch is 
something that I don't think I'd be able to do unless it was like, you know, self-defense or something like that. But I'm not anti-kill. Uh, if somebody feels that they have a shot on it and they want to take one down and prove its existence, I'm fine with that. Uh, but yeah, the whole idea of why prove it, I mean, I think that's all, you know, personal opinion when it comes to the, the whole physical and spiritual side of things, you know, I kind of, you know, up until probably like six months ago, I was straight. It's a physical body because if it eats and it sleeps, it can be killed. And if it can be killed, it's physical. Um, now, what I think about now is what if we're dealing with two separate things? What if we're actually dealing with a physical body, like Tom is saying, where you know, it's been shot in the eye and you know, it's, it's, it's physical. But what if we're dealing with also a spiritual side of things? Um, you know, I'm a Christian and I I believe in things that some people say it's just crazy, you know. But when you talk about, you know, the Nephilim and how the fallen angels came and made it with women at earth, they created the, the breed of Nephilim. Some say that when the Nephilim died, their spirits became disembodied spirits and essentially demons. And we know that demons can possess people, but also animals that Jesus said in the Bible that uh, he cast out demons and he let them go into a flock of pigs, which they ran off a cliff and died. So we know that they can possess animals. And sometimes I wonder, like, is it a spiritual thing where maybe there is a demonic possession going on with some kind of animal and transforming a body? Uh, that's just something I kick around sometimes because, uh, you know, when it comes to demonic possession, I know that there is transfer, transfiguration going, going there where when somebody, a person is possessed, their body does things at times that just doesn't seem possible. And so, you know, that's one aspect that I'd look at things. Um, but I, that aside, I 100% believe that there is a physical creature going on out there that can be killed. Now, is there two different things going on where there is actually a spiritual side of things where it's a separate thing, but people maybe are saying it's a Sasquatch because it, what, the way it looks? I don't know. But for me, I think that there's different things you can look at. For instance, when you talk about the, uh, the whole idea of government, um, you know, once you kill something, I, I want to share it's Wes. I've never even told you this, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe more like a couple months ago, I'm not going to give too many details where I met this guy, but I was in conversation with a guy who I've talked to several times and, uh, we were just in passing with my job. And at one time I told him, you know, about what I had going on with the confessionals and my Facebook group. And he kind of looked at me funny and he's like, really? And I said, yeah. And this guy, he's real rough around the edges and he doesn't talk to a whole lot of people. And for why he opens up and talks to me, I don't know. But he's known for just being a, a real rough guy. Uh, he I, I told him that, you know, my thoughts on the matter and stuff. And I didn't even give him a whole lot of details. But he told me, he said, there's people that go to locations where there's been sightings and they cover it up and they tell people not to talk about it. He said, now this guy was in the military one time and he told me before that he did stuff that he did, wasn't proud of and he got out because he grew a conscience. That he told me this before. And then he followed that statement up with, I was the guy that they called in when people wouldn't shut up. And I was like, wow. And uh, I, I, I tried pulling details out of him and he would not talk. And I, I've given him my phone number. I said, dude, if you want to talk sometime, like in person, phones off, in a basement somewhere with locked doors, like, I just want to, I want to hear what you have to say. 
And he's like, don't count on it. But he took my phone number down. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I see him, but he won't talk about it past that. Um, but, you know, even like the idea of, all right, so say you take one down and uh, you somehow bring it before the media and you, there's, say there's 10 different news stations and they're all covering it. Like, I think with the digital age that we have going now where people can manipulate video and things like that, I really think that even if you get that far with a body, you're looking at the government coming in and um, I don't know who, but they would make it look like it's another hoax because we have these hoax out there where, you know, people pretend that they killed one or whatever and it makes its rounds and it's proven false. I think that the government at that point would just make it look like a ha ha. It's another hoax thing and manipulate the media and the whole thing. Um, that's some of my thoughts on it. Now, when you're talking about what happens after you kill a Bigfoot or, you know, what, once the public actually knows that Bigfoot exists for real, what happens after that? I got thoughts on that too, but you know. yeah. Yeah. And we can come back to that. And you going back to your first comment about why, why do we, why do we need to prove it? Why are we here? <laughs> that's my question. I'm not here for my health. I mean, I could leave Bigfoot, the Bigfoot world tomorrow. It's like, what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Are we here to right. tell encounter stories? And it's like, why are we here? Right. If you're so and, against it being proven, then why are you involved in, in any sort of group online? Why are you, why do you even bother listening to the show? Why, what's the point? One has for, to be for killed. Me, for, for me, I, I've never seen one. And for me, like my initial involvement is because I want to see one. Like forget for me personally, forget about trying to prove to everybody else. Like I actually want to see one myself. And so I started getting involved in the online community stuff. And one thing I've noticed is that there are people in the online community, especially that they they I guess they just genuinely em- enjoy just talking about the topic. And they're just happy kind of living in that that world of. We like talking about the topic. We all believe it exists or we say we know it exists and we're happy with that. You know, and, it, you know, some people believe that they're human and why would you want to murder a human and they call it murder and all that stuff. But uh, I, I'm on the same side as you. Like for me, like bottom line is I believe they exist and never seen one, but I believe they exist. And I would love to be like Tom said, be the guy to prove that they exist. I just think if I was in that situation where I had it in sights, I just don't know if I could do it because, like I said, I'm not even a hunter, so I've never been in that kind of situation. Yeah, no, I get it. Duke, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I, I'm sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum from Tony. Tony hasn't seen one yet, and he's really fascinated in them. I've seen him three times, and I don't want to see one again. So <laughs> there you go. Um I know a lot of people have an issue with wanting to kill one because they think that um, that they're human. And my opinion on it is that they are people, but they are not human. Um, they're just as intelligent as us. They're incredibly sneaky. They spend all their time in the woods. They're good at hiding. I think they're flesh and blood animals. I keep finding tracks all the time. Imaginary and spiritual creatures do not leave tracks, dude. Um I think you're going to have to have a corpse to prove that they're real because um, I, I'm fairly certain that some of the DNA evidence has come out and been checked by scientists. Uh, somebody's got them and told them that they're not to find that it's Bigfoot before they release their findings on it. <clears throat> and you can all draw your conclusions on who I'm talking about there. Um, as far as uh, you know, the rest of it goes, yeah, it'd be great to 
it's sad that we have to do that, but science is forcing us that we have to kill one to actually prove that they're real. Now, on the other hand, let's look at the logistics of this. They almost never travel alone. If you shoot one, more of them are going to come and attack you and try and haul the corpse away. So that means you're going to have to have a fire team there of experts with the right weaponry in the right positions to even kill one and still get out again. Then you've got to lug this giant corpse out of the woods, and you got to somehow make it to either a scientist or a media outlet and show it to them before the government finds out. Well, if you've got a team that size and the kind of logistics and you're prepared to do this, what do you think the chances are the government isn't already hip to the fact that you're going out to do it and aren't going to be there in a flash to take that corpse away? Good luck is all i got to say. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think that there would be government interference. And you're right, they don't travel alone. I mean, you guys hear encounters on the show all the time where people will see one and then hear another one. And so I think, you know, and you look at the siege of Fanabia. Those guys shot one and then went to get the body and the rest of them came in. And and so I I think that they there is more than just there is more problems than just pulling a trigger and killing one. I think that you, you can run into major problems. I think if you were to cut the head off one, if you had the nuts to cut the head off one after it was dead, uh, you better do it quickly because the others are coming. You know, Tony brought up a good point, though. I think that there is other things going on out there, and I think that's sometimes where the the waters get muddied. You know, when you hear people talking about the woo and talking about, when I say woo for the audience listening, it like paranormal stuff. Um, and I think that there is legitimate paranormal stuff going on and maybe it's two separate issues, but sometimes the the waters get get muddied on this. Topic. I think what you just said there. I personally, that's why I don't go down the woo path because I think some of them are there to try to cloud it, so that we try to accept that it's a spiritual um, woo cre- it um, creation in the paranormal sense. They're muddy in the waters for the ones like on my side of the spectrum where it's a creature. You know, you look at me in November 2016, I took over Sasquatch Island. And in January, I'm in a restaurant in Vancouver, and all of a sudden, two boys come in. You got to remember, I'm a hunter. I'm always checking things out. Two guys all of a sudden out of the blue in a pub restaurant start talking, chatting to me. And I notice right away that they're dressed pretty much similar in their suit-type clothing and ties and their ties are identical and i look under the table and here they both have the same shoes shoes on and yet they're sort of telling me that there's people that are you know asking me about sasquatch and that and they're telling me that i you know why i'm doing it and everything and it kind of i just got up and left but to me it was almost like i was being told that there's people watching you and listening to you what you're doing personally i don't care you know if you do get one, you're going to have a world of hurt on your hands from the government. That's all I know from what I'm seeing and hearing across the board. Well, anybody who's in association with Wes Germer is going to be watched anyways. <laughs> oh, no, I'm gone. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Don't discount I that. <laughs> What's that, Charles? I said don't discount that at all. Yeah. Because we know what the NSA can do. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I actually have a comment and a question um, for Tom, and this is for Tom and Duke both. Uh, you know, we talk we talk about shooting a Bigfoot. You, you know, Duke, you made a comment about um, this is an ima- you know imaginative creatures and spiritual creatures don't leave tracks. 
I'm not sure how exactly. Sorry, I'm not sure exactly how you said it, but uh, you don't imaginary creatures don't leave tracks. Well, you know what about the what about all the accounts and the encounters of people to where they've tracked out a Bigfoot for 100 feet, uh, 50 feet, and all of a sudden it just up and disappears. Uh, you know that's 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 not quite. I wouldn't call that quite a flesh and blood creature. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think it's I think it's more than that. And I'm you know I'm glad you brought Tony on the show because what he said kind of actually makes sense. What if it is two things into one? Uh, I know based on my own encounter, Wes, and we went back the very next day after. I hate to bring up our encounter, but we went back the very next day. Did we see any tracks? No, zero. Did we see where it actually landed and hit the road and jumped across the rest of the road? No, no. And there was two of them. There was actually one, two of them that did that. Not to mention the one on the tree and the one over on the side. But a month later, we did find a track. Remember that but, one track? But it was further up. It was yeah. further up. And, but based on our encounter, within 24 hours, we went back to the same location, correct? I believe so. Yeah. So we went. Well, I don't after, remember exactly. Yeah. So actually, we went to fishing. Might game. have been a week later. I think it was within a few days. I think Could it was have been. So we went back, got the GPS locations. And we looked and we, we followed up to where it actually, where we thought it came down from the hill from, saw where it hit the road, saw it, we went back and looked where the log, where it was hiding behind the log. And we believe it went down, we went down the embankment on the side towards the river, correct? Right. Okay, so Wes and I walked that whole thing out more than once. It's true. There was no more tracks. More than once. I can't disagree There was that. absolutely no tracks. So when someone says this is a complete flesh and blood creature, um, and imaginative creatures don't leave tracks. Well, I believe 100% in Bigfoot. Don't think, don't think that I don't believe in it. I've seen it. I believe 100% in Sasquatch. But I couldn't find the tracks. No. And so you hear this, you, you hear stuff like this a lot. You hear a lot of things where people have had uh, Sasquatch encounters. They've had orb encounters. They've had UFO sightings at the same time or within the same area. Uh, so I think I think it's it might be more of kind of a broader spectrum of what we're looking at. I'm not sure what like, and like you said earlier, Wes, no one really knows. Who knows? I don't know. I, I haven't shot one. Would I shoot one? Hell yes, I'd shoot one. I shoot one immediately. Um, but I think Tony actually kind of hit the nail on the head to where, what if we do have more than one thing going on here? Well, and and that's the thing. Uh, and everyone knows the story about the two brothers that I had on the show mm -hmm. and they brought out this. Did you ever hear that show, Tom, about the two brothers? No, I don't think I heard that one. Yeah. I had these two brothers on the show and they actually did have pictures. They sent me and it looked like an ape. I mean, it was, you know, a lot of blob squatches, but it was a lot of apes looked like apes uh, watching them from a distance in the bush. And these guys were convinced this thing was nothing more than just a big monkey. And long story really, really short, we talked about it on open mic. Long story really, really short is they started having weird things happen around. They started seeing these things do weird things. And they ended up bringing a spirit medium out and all this other stuff. What was interesting, though, is what the lady was saying about these creatures. She said they're absolutely flesh and blood. Uh, but there is there are empty vessels for demonic activity. And so when you hear weird stories about their eyes glowing red or one disappearing, or um, she said, people may not be lying to you about what they're seeing. And I think that's maybe where Tony was going with with it, wasn't it, Tony? Yeah, I mean, all right, so I've never seen a Bigfoot. Why do I believe in Bigfoot? You know, everybody has their own threshold as to 
what where they cross into belief. Some guys are like, listen, until, let's, until you bring a body, I ain't believing. But for me, you know, I listen to your show. In fact, I've listened. Shame on you, Tom. I listen to every episode. But <laughs> no, I mean, I I've, I've listened to your show over and over again. And for me, it's like not everybody can be lying or misidentifying these things. Or like I like to say, lying or stupid, because if you're misidentifying a bear all the time, like I just don't, I can't imagine that. And so for me, it's starting to fall in those lines of all the people who say they've seen Sasquatch do extraordinary things or whatever, like not everybody can be lying or stupid. And all it takes is for one person to be telling the truth and be, be serious about it and telling the truth for there's something to be really going on there. And so that leads me to question, okay, so I know that Bigfoot is a physical being because of the encounters that I've heard. So I know physical, uh, there is a Bigfoot physically. But if it's a physical creature, I can't imagine it just disappearing if somebody's, if, if right in front of somebody. But what I can imagine is that something disappearing right in front of somebody being trans, um, transdimensional, interdimensional, I should say, that's a spiritual thing that people are thinking is Bigfoot because maybe it looks similar to what a Bigfoot would look like and they have no other way to describe it. Like maybe it's just, it's just the first thing that pops in their mind. And so for me, that's kind of like how I come about it. So let's look at some hard evidence here. I'm glad I'm on this panel today. There's spirit bear. We all know about the white black bear, right? Known as a spirit bear. It's... I think so. Yeah, uh, so it, I'm, I'm not in sure. The 19th, I, I'm late 1970s, 1980s period. If you saw the white black bear on Prince's Royal Island and King Island on the central coast of British Columbia, there were stories I heard about things like infrasound, going through portholes, types talking, and not leaving tracks. And that's why they call it the spirit bear. And if you told anyone in the late 1980s, as I did out commercial fishing in Prince Rupert, north of there, during the weekend in the beer parlor, that, hey, I saw a white black bear on McKay Reach, Prince's Royal Island. What were you smoking? What were you drinking? Oh, you never saw a white black bear. And now we have Spirit Bear Lodge run by the Kittasoo Heihe First Nation in central British Columbia. We have Ian McAllister with his Great Bear Rainforest Initiative and hundreds of thousands of hectares of central coastal British Columbia lands and waters that are now protected. We have the great, we have all these environmental groups that are using the spirit bear to stop tanker traffic for oil to be, to happen up in that north coast area. And so if you Google spirit bear, it's a hard evidence, scientifically known genetic anomaly of black bears and it's a multi-million dollar tourism industry every year for coastal British Columbia yet not 30 years ago everything that you guys are talking about on the spiritual side of Sasquatch was spoken about with them so let me ask here you, we go and I'm glad you brought that yeah. up uh, Tom let me ask you a question and then I want to get to Chuck and this is mainly well this is actually Chuck I'll start with you and then I'd like to get uh, Duke's opinion and, and Tom's. Uh, I don't care about Tony's, but um, <laughs> I'm just joking, Tony. Um, it, you know, it, and it never really hit me until Gary Wayne said this to me. And Gary Wayne is the author of The Genesis 6 Conspiracy. If you get a chance, buy the book. It's hands down one of the best books I've ever read. 
Um, but, you know, one of the things, and he just made a quick comment to me one time on a show, and it always kind of stuck with me. He said, Wes, don't you find it odd that Sasquatch is almost on every continent? Everyone's describing the same thing, from the Yeti to the Yowie to, uh, you know, the the Almas to, um, you know, yeah. from Russia, everywhere. Yet there's almost no evidence that they exist. Now you can talk about footprints. You can talk about very minute type evidence. But don't you find that odd that there's this huge, large creature that everyone around the world is describing, yet there's really no evidence of it? I mean, the evidence is very minor, and it never really struck me until he said that. And the other thing, too, you know, like where Woody and I had our encounter it is up in an area, it's Yakult, uh, but it's not far from Portland. It's not far from major cities. And so uh, if there's something like that out in the woods, you would think there would be something, something more we'd have more by now. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. What, what are your thoughts, Chuck? Well, I know that. A lot of track evidence. So, and the, the anecdotal evidence is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have seen them. So, the sheer volume of that alone should be enough that you think science would get involved in it, but they don't. You know, they don't want to lose all their funding and grants and stuff like that. So, be ridiculed by their peers. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting that. Just, yeah, the evidence is in tracking the sightings. Yeah, and, it's, and that's it. Yeah, and it's, I know I found I found trackways of stone. I found several footprints, and not all that far from my house. And everything, and I'm out here in the middle of agricultural county, but they're moving around here too. So I don't know. That is an enigma. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, um, I, and I'm with. Believe it or not, I sound like I'm not, but I'm actually with Tom on his beliefs on what these things are. But you, it's hard to discount. I like Tom and Tony's both point of views. Yeah, no, I, I and and some of the, what Tony says, I agree with. The thing is, is sometimes with these very strange, I've been told some very strange, odd things about these creatures over the phone in private. People who don't want to come on the air. Now you can pass off, you know, like uh, there's lots of researchers online that. Uh, talk about the woo and they you know it's become a religious cult but it's and you can pass them off as well they're a little they're a little nutty uh, but sometimes when you talk to people in private and they tell you odd things paranormal type things with these creatures and they don't want to come on the air and it's hard to get them to really come out and talk about it but they do it makes you stop and go what are we chasing what is it that we're actually chasing and maybe like Tony says, maybe there is two separate things going on. There was a, when I had Rocky Elmore on the show, he was talking about him and a guy were going down this road late one night, right on the Mexican border. They, uh, Rocky's a, a border patrol agent. And they were actually coming around the bend, and here's this guy walking in the middle of nowhere. And he's dressed like from the 40s in a military outfit. Actually, it was an Air Force outfit. And he sees this guy walking. And he's trying to figure out why this guy's out there. So he stops the car and calls to him and then gets out of the car, starts walking towards the guy. And the guy turned around, smiled at him and disappeared. And I said, when you came up on that guy, did you get any sense that it was anything more than a ghost? Or he goes, no, I thought it was a guy just out there. He goes, he was solid. 
I saw this guy walking and we actually stopped the car to get out to talk to him and try and figure out why he was out there. And he looked very much physical to these two border patrol agents. And there's a lot of other weird stories about guys rolling in uh, and I filmed it and I put it on the website. It's a tree out there. It's about, I think it's the only Oak tree in Southern California, but um, it's down there. And one of the border patrol agents, he rolls in late one night and there used to be a gate there. And as he gets out of his truck, he, he thinks he just came upon a murder scene. He said there were children hanging in the trees, like they were strung up and hung. And there was bodies in the river, and this guy's tripping out over this whole thing, and he's screaming on the radio. And when they come out there, there's nothing there. Well, some of the Border Patrol agents said that's pretty common for whatever happened. Something happened there. That wasn't the first guy to see that. And when he rolled in and saw these these kids hanging from the tree, he really thought he came upon a murder scene. And then it was gone. And so maybe the world's a little bit more weird than than we realize. I think that's the point what he's trying to make is, you know, we don't really – I think they're flesh and blood. But at the end of the day, I really don't know. But what are your thoughts, Duke or Tom? I think you got a great point, you know, because personally I don't believe in ghosts. But a lot of stuff has happened. I just don't go down that ghost path because my upbringing with my father. But, you know, some of the things that I've heard, too, you know, I roll my eyes and then all of a sudden when they try to go on the woo-woo side of it, I say, oh, come on now. Why wouldn't they be have ghosts as well? I'm on TV right now. Um, why wouldn't they have ghosts? So if you want to go down that road, which I'm not going to go down to, but you might look at the possibility of that happening on a paranormal level. And, of course, that gives all kinds of food for thought for the paranormal side to go pursue. But you just gave good examples of paranormal activity happening and you know it's every continent imagine they got ghosts in antarctica too so you know those people that believe in that keep their minds open pursue those paths but as far as i'm concerned i have to look at this as a hunter so if all of a sudden something does go sideways out in the bush and i have to squeeze off on these creatures i've been the lone hunter guide that has to go in and dispatch a grizzly bear with one lung clipped and a blown outside or went inside shoulder. And that thing's ripping apart the grounds and the roots, digging a hole. And all he's got on his mind is I'm going to die and I'm going to take out that SOB human for injuring me and killing me. And all that grizzly bear wants to do is rip you apart, black bear included. So if anyone's going to think about squeezing off on these things, they got to think at that. It's not the actual fact of the hunt. It's the ramifications of squeezing off. you got a wounded creature that's 800 pounds, seven and a half feet tall, can throw things and push down things and basically grab you by the legs and split you like a wishbone from a chicken. You better think real seriously what you're after. But at the same turn, if you are going to go the way I see it, down that paranormal path, and keep it that level and bring in your electronic equipment and your recording equipment and don't bother with a gun because if you believe in the paranormal side, how do you shoot a ghost? Bullets just going to go through if it can walk through the door and ghosts don't leave tracks. So with a Sasquatch leaving tracks, you're totally right. We're after a living, breathing critter. But when you do squeeze off, you better be prepared to go dispatch it when it's wounded. And that's going to be entering the gates of hell. I can guarantee you that one right now. Yeah. Well, ghosts do attack people, though. I've seen that firsthand. Oh, yeah. Where they do attack people. People actually have scars on them and, and are attacked by demonic entities. Who says that Bigfoot yep. isn't from the gates I've of hell? Seen that. You know what I mean? Who says that Bigfoot isn't from the gates of hell? 
Yeah. I mean, from my experience of what I and, and the things that I that I take in consideration is how I felt that night and how I was uh, I felt like I was I was almost being attacked. I felt like they had put a put together a game plan. But yet when I go back, when we went back later, there was no tracks to be found. And I tell you what, I'm not freaking crazy. It actually happened. And some of the some of the things that uh, some of the details that Wes and I had brought out is some of the same same things that other people have experienced as well. Now, the the only problem that I find is, is you know, let me let me ask you a question, uh, and this is for Duke and uh, Tom both. Tom, you had you had made a comment earlier about, uh, you know, in your early twenties, you had you had one in the sights, and I, I don't know how many. And Tom, how many times have you actually seen Bigfoot? Is it more than once or? Three times. Three times. And like, Chuck, I don't want to see them again. <laughs> no, 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 you know, and I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> we're on the same, I think we're all on the same page as, as far as that goes. But, uh, uh, Tom, my question to you would be, uh, from the, from the, and, and this is for you, you too, Duke. I'd, I'd like to get your input on this. Uh, what were some of the things that you saw, and you saw and you experienced? And do you believe that, uh, it moved like similar creatures here on Earth. And, and where I'm going with this is uh, I've seen elk, I've seen deer. I've never seen a moose myself, but uh, I've seen elk and deer, and I know how they move because they're all over the place over here. You go five miles out of town, and you got to be careful not hitting one. But, uh, you know, did it seem to you that they were actually part of, um, I don't know how to say it, our, our ecosystem here? Are they are they in the food chain? Or, you know, did, did they move like normal uh, wild creatures here? Uh, and I know you're up, you're up north, Tom, but how do you, do you guys, how do you feel about that? I compare Sasquatch to a gymnast female on a balance beam who pulls off a 9.9er. It's so spiritual watching that woman on that balance beam do that art, how they move, how they can do somersaults and land with one foot on that four by four chunk of wood elevated off the ground. And how many times have they stumbled to perfect that move? When I saw the creatures and when they moved for the forest, just how they flow, like the wind and how they're so big and they can part bushes and not really make a noise at all, how they can put those big feet down and not make cracking noises on those twigs and everything that I know if I went in stealth, I would be screwing up and making snap, pop, crack of the bush. So that's how I look at it. Those things are masters. And then when people that aren't bush bred and have bush savviness, like a hunting show the other night, they're pointing up in the trees like for last. Oh, they're up in the trees. They're up in the trees. And they're running around with their grizzly claw and their beard and their camo and they're pointing guns at each other. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, they're just going to shoot one of themselves instead of the creature. And number one, if you're a true hunter and there's something moving around up in the trees, wouldn't you rally together back to back, look up, get those flashlights, and like you say, fire team let off, and one guy stand without firing, so everyone's reloading, you're the one that's going to be backing everyone up. So to me, it's all about hunting. When you watch someone stalking an animal, as you know, people have said about me, but I'm saying about other people I've seen, and I watch them and they take their hiking boots off as we move into an area where there's a bear and they put on their soft-soled shoes and you watch them how they crouch down and every move they make it's calculated and what's the ramifications of putting my hand down there or dragging my knee and putting it down there it's like that woman on that balance beam 
you're watching someone that is so phantom-like, so spiritual as a hunter. And when you see a Sasquatch, that's what you're watching. You're watching perfection of someone stealthily, a creature stealthily going through the forest or a beach setting that you've never seen a human do. And that's when all of a sudden the woo-woo alarms, what I call the mental band-aid kicks in. And all of a sudden it's orbing and jumping portholes and the platinum staircases are coming down like an escalator and they're going up in a UFO and they're flying off and turning into all these lights. And that's what I call that mental band-aid. And I think that's what it is because jump on that balance beam as I had and move your fat Indian arse around and just try to jump eight inches off the thing and bring another foot down. I was scared to a point where I got dizzy and everything started like there's an 8.8 earthquake going on. So that's what I call that mental band-aid. When you put yourself in a situation that you don't understand or have never experienced, your head takes over. And that's what I think and I know is happening with these woo-woo parts of these Sasquatches. Because when you see a Sasquatch in the forest and when they're moving, my God, that's mystical. It's beautiful. It's perfection. What are your thoughts, Duke? I think what what he's trying to say is that from our encounter, what we saw, I understand his question. I understand where he's coming from on the question because I'll agree with him. What we saw almost didn't seem like it should be on this planet, the way it moved, way more than a balance, a woman on a balance beam. The jump that we – if I jumped the way this thing jumped and the size of this thing, I would have broke my ankle coming down at minimum broke my ankle or your hips or my hips or, <laughs> or your you know, back. and the way it just moved it did seem very i understand where what he's coming from it did seem very unnatural it did seem very very much like it didn't belong on this planet and i get it and so i understand where he's coming from what what are your thoughts duke well it's hard for me to actually react to that one because of the three that i saw all three were stationary and one of them opened his mouth and grinned at me and the other one gave me a glare, and that's as much movement as they made, so I can't really comment on that. As far as their ability to sneak around the woods silently and evade humans, um, my brother is a Marine recon sniper. And after you look at those guys and what they do and find out about their training and whatnot, and I run a bunch of this stuff past them, and like, well, there was this track line and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, all it did was this. Oh, okay. Well, he can explain almost all of it. And I'll give you one example. He was over in the Philippines doing uh, some reconnaissance, trying to find out where an insurgent camp was. And he found it. There was way more than they thought there was going to be. He was kind of scared about the whole thing because he wasn't sure that they had patrol out in the jungle or not around him. So having his ghillie suit on, he decided to just do a slow crawl out of the area again. And as he's crawling along through this incredibly thick brush, he reaches out and he touches something with fur on it, which, of course, makes him paranoid automatically. So he freezes, using all of his sense to figure it out. He comes to the conclusion that he has just touched about a 400-pound boonie pig taking a nap in this thicket. If he wakes that boonie pig up, the insurgents are going to be all over his ass, and he's going to be a dead man. So here's what he did. He crawled around that pig. He touched it three times total. It did not wake up. It never knew he was there. Now, if a human can do that, what makes you think a Bigfoot can't be sneaky? Okay. Uh, the other thing is I'd like to amplify, not only uh, agree with, but amplify on what Tony has said. Now, to me, a Bigfoot is a flesh-and-blood creature, but if you go to the spiritual side of things, can it be possessed? Well, if a human can be possessed, if an animal can be possessed, a Bigfoot could be possessed for sure. And I don't think it's two different things. I think it could be three different things. I think there's also the possibility that there are 
forest demons out there that for whatever reason like to uh, play pranks on humans and may just decide to take the shape of a Bigfoot or a Dogman just to get a reaction out of somebody. Um, there's fairly good evidence that uh, negative chthonic entities, demons, devils, um, actually eat negative emotion, including terror. So if they can scare the hell out of you, they got a free snack coming. And the last thing I'd like to say is the uh, fairly well-known at this point uh, details of uh, uh, a certain cryptozoologist going and visiting another uh, person who's a Bigfoot community person that's totally into the woo-woo thing. He's got an area where um, he says they've got uh, like little miniature mini squatch guards that old portals open for him. They can pass in and out of portals. They mind speak. Um, well, he brought two other cryptozoologists to show this to him. And I'm not going to mention names on anybody because you can pretty easily figure out who this is. But um, first name of one, I'll tell you, was Adam. And uh, both of these guys, when they got out of there, were not under the impression that he was dealing with Bigfoot. They both thought he was dealing with demonic entities. So take that for what you will. It's a good point, and I agree with you. And, and I do believe Adam Adam Davies, for the audience listening, uh, he saw yeah. what he describes as, I guess, a portal. Something opened up, and these two beings came out, and it really wasn't Bigfoot related. But uh, in my – well, who knows? Uh, but they didn't appear to be Bigfoot. I think they're only like three feet tall. They had red eyes, and they came after the guys. And Adam Davies is a pretty scientific guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's pretty uh, – he's not – he doesn't go off into that. And so when I interviewed him when we went to Beachfoot, I was really surprised. He was really open about what he had seen that night. Uh, Chuck, were you going to say something? Uh, no, but uh, I've been listening to Coast to Coast AM since Heart Bell started it. And I don't know how many demonic entity encounters people have had, you know, in their houses, in their bedrooms. Why in the hell can't there be forest demons like that? Maybe they do take the shape of Bigfoot from time to time. You know, we're dealing with stuff that we just don't know about, and we probably never will. Or at least we're going to have to come up with a lot better way of doing it. But there's things that happen that we just, and I know they happen. I mean, there's been a couple things that happened to me. There's a thin fabric. There's a thin fabric between heaven or the afterlife and here, and the demonic thing. I don't know what that fabric is, but they're here, and so yeah, demonic Bigfoot. That would, if there is such a thing, it would explain everything, wouldn't it? Well, I think with. I'm sorry, Wes. No, go ahead, Tony. I mean, I think with what Duke was saying and stuff, uh, people people really think like when they think a ghostly demonic haunting. Like they think house, old building. That's what they think. You know, they, they think that ghosts are contained, what they want to call ghosts. I personally believe that ghosts are demons. But they believe that they're contained to buildings. They're not contained to buildings. They, can, they, they very well could be in the forest. For instance, how many times have you heard a story where people say they experienced a haunting and it followed them home? Well, the fact that it actually followed you home mean it actually left the building it was in. So people think that, you know, these things are just in houses or old buildings. That's just simply not true. So, Duke, when you said about the three different things going on, that's that's very possible. And when you, when you talk about like how um, also about how like humans sneaking through the woods and being able to uh, maneuver without being detected, I mean, and, and relating that to Sasquatch, Sasquatch, I, and I call it the, an instinctual intelligence and I made a whole video about it on YouTube and stuff because, like, I think that these creatures 
possess abilities to remain undetected. Like not supernatural. I'm just talking natural abilities to, to be able to maneuver in ways to be undetected, to blend into their surroundings without us seeing them. And I think that's something that maybe as uh, in our history of humanity, we might have actually been able to do that more than we do now. But in our day and age of technology, we're so dependent on that. We're dependent on GPS. We don't care about being quiet in the woods and figuring our way out by looking at the sun. We, we, we got a GPS in our hand. I, I use GPS when I'm out in the woods. And so, like, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, still are able to maneuver through the woods quietly and stuff. And that's awesome. But most people can't do that anymore. But I think at one time we probably could. And why not? A being that has been undetected like this for so long, they clearly have to be intelligent. And they must have possessed an instinctual intelligence that's just inside of them to be able to do that. Like, they're naturally seclusive beings. They don't want to be around people or anything else. And so by that, that attitude, they don't they, they possess these abilities to remain undetected. That's what I think. Yeah. And there's a strange story. I've never said it on the air. Um, when I was doing what was the name of the show? Um, oh, man, it's going to drive me nuts. It, it had to do with the uh, Spotsville monster. When I was talking about the Spotsville monster, then I had the old lady on the show and she was saying, and if you guys remember that story, basically all the guys got up on the roof, all guns loaded, and they were waiting for this thing to pop out from the barn, and they were going to blast it. And she claims that they hit it several times, and it never went down, acted like it wasn't even affected by it. Um, and so, I mean, it, you hear stuff like that, and you're wondering what, I mean, I don't know. It just gets frustrating, I guess, for me, guys, because you, I mean, how many footprints are we going to look at? How many sounds are we going to play? How many uh, encounter stories do you want to hear? Would you like to hear from a cop? Would you like to hear from a judge? Tell me what you want to hear from. And military. I'll, military. I'll bring them on. Hunters. And it's like, and it's just, it's built up to this frustration to where um, I'm just short of saying, if you see a Sasquatch, you should probably shoot it. See, with me, I'm frustrated because how many shows are we going to see with people going out with 20 caliber rifles and shotguns? I'm frustrated because I know the calibers they need to have out there. 375 H&H, 458, 460 Nitro. Those are guides guns. You know, I use a 338, but, you know, the guides guns for bear hunting in Alaska and North, all through North America where they allow grizzly bear hunting and we carry 460 nitros and these 375 H and H's. Those things are, you know, you don't have a scope on it. You're iron sight. Your job is to protect that client if that bear charges your group. And those are the people, those are the calibers that are going to bring down these things. And how many times have we heard stories about some guy getting capped with a 9mm and seven shots in his body and they lived and they're able to still run away a bit? How many times do we hear about people with 223 calibers and other military rounds, full metal jackets, getting riddled and, you know, still surviving? So we're showing, we have proof in the pudding that the 20 caliber is not the caliber to use. It has to be 30 or 40 caliber that's going to bring something down. And that's where I'm frustrated that is where are we going to see? Like when, if I do a show that if I did a show that I was going to go hunt the thing, you bet dimes to dollars I'm going to have a 375 H&H or bigger or a 460 Nitro over and under. Now you're talking caliber that's going to bring these things down. 
And when we hear the reports, like you just gave Wes about standing up on a bar, opening up on the creature that came around the barn. Well, when you look at most North America, it's 20 caliber, you know, four tens, 10 gauges, you know, small caliber stuff, bird shot. So, you know, if you had six guys like me with 375s and 460 nitros, and we opened up in that critter, he ain't going back into the bush. He's going to drop right there. Yeah, and so that's you, one of the things we really have to look at is and, calibers. And you bring up a good point, Tom, because if you're going to kill one of these things, you shouldn't injure it. You should kill it if you're going to kill it. Kill it and be done with it. But don't injure the animal. It's not fair uh, with the smaller caliber as you were talking about, Tom. I, I agree with you. I think that they yep. need to use a larger caliber, especially if you're going to uh, shoot one of these things. And you got to think about the ramifications when you squeeze off. You better hope you squeeze off one, two, or three times and that animal goes down or it's going to go down within 150 yards as it bleeds out in its lungs. You got to remember one thing a good hunt, a true hunter always goes after it, the wounded animal. Yeah. So you have to, number one, ethics and integrity. You got to go in and dispatch that thing. And I tell you, you know, going after a wounded bear, grizzly bear especially. You've entered the gates of hell, and I don't mean that in the demonic level. I no, mean I it in the mean. place that you are in a scary chunk of earth now because you've got that 800 to 1,100-pound creature that just wants to tear you apart before it dies. Now think about going off that Sasquatch. So anyone that goes in there with under 30 caliber, stay home in the concrete where you belong. You don't belong in the bush where I work and live. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, one of the things with these – uh, creatures, one of the things people have to think about too. Look at a show. I'm just doing a show where we're talking about killing one, and I got death threats. Imagine the guy that actually pulls the trigger. He's going to be the most famous and infamous person on the planet. You're going to have a lot of nut jobs coming after you, probably trying to figure out where you live. Um, I can't imagine. And, and that's if you get past the government. There's so many different steps of if you can kill one, you're not going to drag it out as I think um, Tom or, or Tony brought up earlier, you're not going to drag it out. You have to cut it up to get it out. And so it becomes one of those situations to where uh, can you now cut the head off one? Even if it kind of looks human-like, could you cut the head off of it? It's a lot e easier to cut up a deer than it is something that looks close to you, you know, unless you're a complete psychopath. Uh, but now you have to cut it up. and now I wouldn't go for the head. Well, you know what I'm saying. You're, uh, you're going to have to cut it up regardless. You're going to have to cut it up. Totally buck the arm up. You can use your knife and within a minute and a half, you've popped the knuckle and you got the arm. You work on that neck. It takes sometimes 10 minutes to pop a black bear's neck off if you don't hit the vertebrae right. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about killing Bigfoot. We might as well educate all them people out there that are thinking about doing it. Number one, use 30 caliber. And if you do get the thing, like you guys have stated, you're going to have a world of hurt coming after you when that whole clan comes throwing things at you, ready to rip you apart for killing one of its own. And if you are going to get the evidence, pop the arm. It's going to take you to quickest or have an axe and take the bottom end of the arm off. It's all the evidence we need. We got our DNA. We got our fingerprints. We got everything. And so it's not a question of having that wall-mounted perfect head, you know. Just get the bottom end of that arm and get the hell out of there. I disagree. I think, I think it's going to DNA lab? What's that, Chuck? What was that? In? Can you trust a DNA lab and the feds from not coming in and taking it and doing what they always do? Well, you have enough meat with the bottom end of an arm to send it to about 30 
labs, so you're going to have yeah. someone come in with something that's going to be accepted. Is it going to be accepted or is it going to be ignored? Like a hey, all those government, all those, all those labs and scientists are paid by the government. What do you think they're exactly. going to I mean that that that's the whole crux of the thing, you know. It's what it's what after what happens after you harvest one, and then things get really screwed in. Are these guys gonna? Is the federal government gonna come down and start harassing you like they did Bob Garrett uh, or that hunter out in Virginia when they harassed them? Are they gonna find a federal law that you don't know they exist and just make your life a nightmare? Are they gonna uh, come in with? Uh, audit you every year and you know all, all, they can do all sorts of things they got so many laws on the books that nobody knows about that they could use against you and these agencies they've been operating this way since roswell and uh they know their trade a lot better than we know ours yep you just brought up an important point that i'd like to elaborate on a little bit let's go on the side of the pro kill here here now there's uh there's people that are thinking about doing this now, are we being nasty by giving them information? Well, guess what? There's been people out there trying to do this for decades. So what? No success. Um, the other thing is that if you kill one and you bring it in and it becomes like public knowledge, okay, and they test it and it's over 50% human blood, well, you're a murderer. You're going to jail. On the other hand, if it's under 50% human blood, I hate to break it to everyone, but they have a federal law on the books right now that killing any undocumented na uh, natural species inside the U.S. is worth a million-dollar fine or up to 10 years in prison. So either way, you're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. Wow. Well, you better, better come to Canada then, because I asked the wildlife <laughs> the other day. I said in British, I was talking to a British Columbia regional director in our wildlife equivalent to U.S. Fish and Game about Sasquatch. Is it in the books if, I, if someone sees it and shoots it? He goes, no, it's not in the books. It does not exist. So I said, so in other words, someone drags one in, you don't get charged. He goes, no, we got nothing in the law books. So like I say, you know, you're going to shoot one and you get up here. We got lots. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you can expect, going back to what you were saying, Chuck, I think at a minimum you can expect an IRS audit <laughs> as soon as you do it. What were we going to say? Well, you're going to get a lot more than that. But yeah, of course. But you could, no, I you're going to have to become a nightmare. Go ahead, you can have buddy. to be wise about it. Like, you know, for example, whistleblowers, as we know from history, not so much the modern last 25 years, but beforehand, whistleblowers that actually made an impact on what they whistle blew on and what and didn't disappear or end up like, what was that guy they put in a 45-gallon drum and crushed? He head to the unions down there. But anyway, you know, yeah. So people disappear when they whistleblow or bring something out that – the government and everyone doesn't want to see. So you got to be smart. You know, one of the first places I'd go to is, you know, if I did happen to have evidence of it, I would definitely do an, a release with Dr. John Bindernagel here on Vancouver Island, Canada, a internationally recognized uh, researcher of Sasquatch Bigfoot. And I'd get my butt over to where Meldrum is, you know, and get so you do a dual release to some bigwigs. They don't make Dr. Meldrums and Dr. Bindernagels disappear. They'll make a Tom Seawood disappear real quick. But when you do at that level, so you gotta be smart about it, you know. That and, would be the better way. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Woody? I was gonna say uh, you know, you had made the comment a little bit earlier, Wes, about you just cut the head off one and that might be good enough and then 
Tom was saying, well, if you if we if we have an arm or if we have a leg, but I think really what it comes down to is we need a whole body. I mean, if you're if you're going to go in there and you're actually going to, if it is a flesh and blood creature, which I don't know, I, I'm just giving my opinion. I don't believe that it is. It is. Uh, but if you're going to actually shoot one, I think you and you're you're that far into it. I think the whole body needs to be taken, even if you have to cut it up, Wes, like I said, because the creature that we saw was enormous. And, and there's no you and I could not put that creature uh, in the back of a truck, in the back of a van. We would need a crane. We need a small crane on the side of the truck to lift. It, it was just too big. So you would have to cut it up. But I think what would have to happen is you'd have to take this creature in pieces, put it in the back of the truck, and then you would have to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I think that's really, uh, I think that's really what's going to have to happen because you get an arm, you take it in, and they and they do. You're always going to have someone stepping in between the government. Uh, but if you have a whole picture of the animal that you shot, even if it's in pieces, I think that's really what we need. We don't need a hand. Yeah, a we don't need a foot. We don't need a finger. We don't need a piece of hair. We don't need the head. We need a freaking whole body of a Sasquatch. And uh, will it ever be done? I'm not sure. But I think that's really what we need. And going back to what Tony had said earlier um, about, uh, you know, ghosts being in a house or a building or uh, in these creepy type of places. uh, Tony, you hit it right on the head. Uh, That's not so much the case. I believe, just my opinion again, I don't know anything. I don't have a ghost in my my bedroom. In your garage. Today, today anyways. But uh, I think they actually can attach themselves um, to certain creatures. I think they, they can atta- these spiritual entities can actually attach themselves to beings, um, to certain individuals, children. Um, I'm not so sure about animals, but why not? You know, I think I'm not sure if it was Chuck or if it was who, who said it. But, uh, you know, why can't they attach themselves to uh, spirit creatures or not spirit, but forest creatures? Um, I don't think that's too far-fetched, but I do think we need a whole body, you know, for sure. I don't, I don't think a foot or a hand is going to work or, or just a head. I think we need the whole, the, we need the full meal deal. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think like you have, you have to take consideration as to what kind of society and culture we live in now where we're, we have a generation of people where I'm 31 years old. And so people my age, a little bit older and definitely younger is a generation of social media believing the first thing you see and non-thinking people. And so if you pull out, you know, your knife and, and you take off a body part and you, you roll, like that's too easy for somebody like the government or anybody else to come in and dismiss and, and lay out 15 reasons why that's not real. And so I, I absolutely agree that if you're going to kill this thing, like I think you got to get it the whole thing because it, even even that is going to be hard to to hold up in the grand scheme of time because you're going to be attacked by people who are in the know and are paid to discredit you. And if you just have an arm or, you know, maybe a head, but, but definitely like an arm or something, I think that that would be too easy. It's just too easy to dismiss. Um, I totally agree with Tony on that one too, because if you just bring in a body part, what's to stop them from just saying, you know, well, look, you got a picture of a, somebody brought in a Bigfoot hand. Oh, that's not a Bigfoot hand. It's a gorilla's hand. 90% of the people are right away going to go, oh, it's a gorilla's hand. Okay. Well, did anybody do DNA work on it? Well, who the hell is going to take time to look at that? They're just going to believe the initial report from the government. Oh, it's a gorilla's hand. It's another hoax. You know, and a great great example of this is uh, I'm sure you guys probably have seen him around YouTube, Peter Kane. 
Peter Kane puts out these YouTube videos and he's like, you know, Bigfoot was having sex in my backyard. Bigfoot tried to rape me. Bigfoot. I have a Bigfoot foot in my my freezer, a Bigfoot hand like he has. And he's shown a Bigfoot foot on camera. And I don't believe it. I can clearly see that he's he's trolling the Bigfoot community. But there are so many people out there in the Bigfoot community that believe what he's saying. What And and he and the more you believe it, the more he does it. And he and so like that's just somebody who's literally trying to troll the community and he presents a foot and people believe it. Now just reverse it and all of a sudden you have a real foot. It's too it's too easy to discredit. So I I mean, I don't know. That's the way I'd look at it though. I think what we gotta look at, you know, expand your horizons. You know, we're talking about shooting Bigfoot and if some when someone does do it. So we're gonna get a lot of flack from this episode, I can guarantee it. <laughs> no publicity is bad publicity, so what the heck? Let it rain. <laughs> Death threats. Yeah. <laughs> so we all got cell phones. We all got video capabilities. So, if, yeah, while you're bucking off that arm, yeah, you might want to grab a chunk of face and start slashing with your knife and showing the muscle structure under that cheek. This is crude, rude, and everything. Hey, that's the bush. It ain't a pretty sight when you skin a black bear and you peel its face off as you're taking for a full body mount. You look at what a black bear's skull looks like when you have to start cutting eyebrows and nose cartilage and so forth. Yeah, I'm giving you the full meal deals, meat and potatoes. I ain't cutting back and fluffing it up with cheese sauce here. I, I so guess yeah, if you're, someone shoots a Sasquatch and you're going to shove that gut in the belly button to show that it had a, an umbilical cord when it was inside its mother's belly... You're going to gut open that thing in, grab a kidney, buck it off, throw it in your pocket, reach in, grab some liver, buck a chunk off, shove it in your pocket. Yeah, it's going to be a gore fest that's going to make any B-rated movie of gore fest look like it was some Disney show. You got to videotape it. You got to show the gore in the guts, you know, whack the genitalia off. You want to you're going to get chunks of you're going to shoot a Sasquatch and you got them DOA on the ground. You're going to have to be worse than that Picton that had that pig farm up here grinding up humans in Canada. you got to get into the meat of it. you got to videotape everything coming off. Fill your pockets up with chunk of Sasquatch Bigfoot and get the hell out of there before you get eaten up and pooped out by his clan. And when you get into town and you get a hold of Meldrum and you get a hold of John Brindernagel and Todd Neese with the American Primate Conservancy and maybe even me, and you put that video out and give us copies and you do a mass release of half a dozen different people that aren't going to disappear by the government. The government's going to go, oh, shoot, I guess we better open up the 15th floor below the Smithsonian Institution and show you those fossilized remains of the big people and show you the jawbones that disappeared from this museum and show you the frozen Sasquatches that the Apache helicopters when, they're used, when they first built them with their infrared they were targeting Sasquatches because what better way to perfect a mechanized helicopter for shooting people at nighttime so that we can go to YouTube right now and watch Taliban's and ISIS popping like zits out there in a the desert night. You know, those Apaches, the best test thing to use on them, Sasquatch. And I believe firmly that in the military freezers, in the Smithsonian Institution's basement, the government has those parts. And hopefully Donald Trump will release it to us because it's going to help make America stronger when we identify the Sasquatch. 
Hey, Tom, I have a suggestion for you. Yeah. You might want to up your security around your house after this show airs. Uh, you, you, haven't, you haven't heard what I have to say yet. Well, what I was, what I was going to say is before I go contact a bunch of Bigfoot researchers, and despite their academia, I mean, Tom's right. I probably would contact some people. Uh, I would go get attorneys first, would be first on my list if I did shoot one. I'd have a whole team of attorneys working with me. And then I would probably go contact Ben Nagel and, and Meldrum and, you know, somebody yeah. – and, and Tom's right. I mean, those people, it's hard to make a lot of people disappear. It's easy to make Wes Grimmer disappear. But if 10 other people have evidence and know what you've done, it's hard to make a whole group of people disappear. But what were you going to say, Woody? I know. This, this is going to seem uh, kind of crazy, and I hope people don't hate me for this, but – I think it's great. I, I think it's great that you're explaining how, how you would do it, uh, how Tom would do it, and, and the thoughts that Tony had too. But uh, this is going to sound nuts, but I'm going to throw it out there. This is how I would do it. If I was going to go in there and shoot a Bigfoot, believing that it was a flesh and blood creature, I would I would go out there with no more than just a couple guys. Because when you end up shooting a Bigfoot, you don't know if there's more Sasquatch around or if you're going to be attacked. I mean, you almost have to you almost have to have the mindset to this is do or die. Really. And I think what has to happen is, is if you do shoot one, I'm not looking at taking a knife. I'm not looking at skinning it. I'm not looking at taking its its liver out. I'm not looking at taking its heart out. I'm not, I'm not thinking about taking part of its face. What I'm going to be doing is I would have a saw. I would cut the thing up into pieces. I wouldn't even mess around. I'd get in there. I'd shoot it. I'd cut it up. Chainsaw is going to make a lot of, a lot of noise. Maybe a handsaw, I'm not sure, but I would cut that sucker up as fast as I could, throw it in the back of the truck or whatever vehicle I have. It's going to sound really inhumane, but this is this is pretty much how I, I have my plan if I, if I was in this position. And then I would go to the local media. I would Before I contact Bennernagel, before I call Tom, before I call Todd Neese or, or anybody, I would, I would film it. I would document it on what I have. I would take measurements, and I would go to the local media, and I would throw that sucker out there. And see what happens. I, I might end up disappearing, and that's kind of the the chance that you have to take. But really, that's what's going to have to happen is going to the local media. You have to have certain things put in place. I wouldn't have an attorney. I wouldn't have uh, you know these other people in the Bigfoot world because a lot of those other people, you know what, they're going to be mad at you for shooting it. And some of them are half crazy. I'm sorry. It is what it is. A lot of the people in the Bigfoot community, I believe, are crazy. But what you have to have is the media involved. You have to take it down to Channel 12. You have to take it down to Fox. You have to take it down to CNN. You have to take it to the the the, the major networks and have them film it. Put it out there before anybody has a chance to do anything. And after that, I'm not sure what would happen. But that's the plan that I would have in place. I th- no, you're 100% I think, right. you got to get the media involved. Yeah, and I, I and think that chainsaw. you have I think you have to have several plans in place at the same time. Like, what do you bring up a great point about going to the media? But I don't. I think you have to have more to the plan. Like, okay, you're going out there before you even saw one to be able to kill it. You would have to already have planned. All right, we're going to go to the media if this thing happens, but we're also going to chop it up and we're going to mail pieces to whoever, or we're going to have people on standby so if it happens. We, we can get it to them as fast as possible as we're going to the media. Like, like if you're, if you, cause if you're talking about cutting up a body and everything, you're going to need to be able to disperse those pieces to credible sources while you go to the media. You have to have as much firepower at one time 
as possible. Because like I said earlier, if you go to the media and that's all you do initially, it's too easy for some for somebody to come along and discredit you and say it's a hoax. That's it. But like w- with what Wes said, if you have, you know, all these different researchers involved, plus the media and whatever their, whatever other plan you have. Now you have more bullets in the chamber for that one time that it happens. Like, I think that there has to be multiple um, ways you go about this all at one time, because like we know there's people out there paid to discredit this stuff. And so we need to do everything you can at one time to get the job done. You got one, you got one shot and you got to do it right, because if you don't, it's not going to it's not going to be credible. And that's a good point, Tony. Have more than one plan put into place. Take it to the media, cut off certain chunks, get them in the, get them to the, the right people that can do the testing, get it to the media, and that all has to happen at the same time. Because if you don't do that, it, and, and Tony, I'm just kind of repeating what you said, I guess, but it does give people the time to discredit it, call it false, uh, and document it as not real. So I, that is a really good point. Thanks, Tony. Let me ask you guys, oh. what do you – or go ahead, Tom. Out here on the coast. Years ago, I was living in Telegraph Cove up by, or Beaver Cove up by Telegraph Cove. And that was the early 90s when I had the sighting. Well, living out there in Bush and everything, and we had, you know, me and my crewman started talking, and I see, he goes, what would you do if you did shoot that Sasquatch? I said, well, number one, I don't think it's, you know, the easiest way is, number one, you get some line into the beach, and out here on the coast, you know, we have long line for our, Long lines for a halibut, and we also have this long line for pulling up our prawn traps from 250 feet down. So get as much line as you can on the ankle of that thing and drag the thing in the water and get it the hell out of there. So having your contingency plans, yes. Now you don't have to be on the beach and worry about being attacked by their clan. Get it in the water, drag it a couple miles away. Now deal with getting the thing on board. What's next step? Well, decomposition's hitting in there. Well, out here in the coast, we have ice houses here and there. Before, we used to have them everywhere. Now, with the downsizing of the fishing industry, there's only a few, and they're miles apart. But knowing where there's places that have these freezers, like the hatcheries for the fish farm food and the samples, the ice plants for the commercial fishing, the ice plants for the grocery stores, you know, you have to have knowledge and know where those things are. I know as a researcher... Someone shoots one, they're probably going to get a hold of me, and they haven't thought of that. So I have to be able to say, okay, we got to get it to this hatchery, and we'll talk to the manager and get it in that cold room as soon as possible. And then right there, start chunking it out and getting it around because, you know, government's going to come down, slam down hard on you. They want that thing, but if you can get pieces out here and there, and formaldehyde in Canada, our our drugstore is called Pharmasave up here. You can go in there and you can buy a case of formaldehyde, which is for, you know, storing creatures so they don't decompose. But, you know, that stuff there, you got to sign your name down because it's apparently used as a poison as well. But looking at what we need to do, yeah, number one, get some flesh, get some body parts, get the whole thing if you can. Definitely start getting a hold of the media outlets and do a big press release, but have those big wigs like the Meldrums and the Bindernagels and the Todd Nieces and the West Germers to get announced in their regions as well and hold up a bottle and with formaldehyde and say, there's the middle finger of Sasquatch. So-and-so just shot one up in Canada, you know, but you mass do it, 
government's not going to be able to shut you down. And then once that's done, then you're going to start, you know, if you're looking at it a business perspective, start selling gate fees, you start making money. If you're looking at it for protecting the environment and protecting the species, well, then just sit back and let the ologists and the scientists do their jobs. And then the environmental organizations will step in and they'll start demanding protective measures for hundreds of millions of hectares of your guys' federal lands and up here in Canada, our crown lands. So, yeah, when that creature comes in, you're going to create a storm of attention. And you better make sure what you're going to do about it. Are you going to do like that Gwen Dyer and try to sell gate fees and do a carnival act with it, make millions of dollars, or are you going to try to seriously try to protect the creature and its environment as I believe it? And that's why I believe one has to come in because we need to protect its environment so the creature stays with us forever. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, Tom. I mean, it, it would be nice if you could get it out with a boat. I mean, that's just as good as a helicopter if you can actually get one out with a boat. But um, and you and you also answered my next question. I was going to ask you guys what happens next after you shoot one. And let's say you get past the whole government thing, and they allow. I don't think you can turn it into a carnival act. I see someone shutting you down doing that. Yeah. If anyone out there, if you hear of someone they shot a Bigfoot and you can come see it for five bucks, I'm going to call crap on that. I'm, I'm going to say that's that's BS. Uh, I don't see them allowing you to do that, turning it into a carnival sideshow. But what do you what do you think would happen next besides protection? Todd Neese's organization with his wife Diane, the American Primate Conservancy is going to get a lot more members and hopefully his vision will come true what they believe in as far as setting up a area where we can have you know demonstrations of what these creatures are you know then we know for sure it's a relic humanoid or it's a primate and if you know all we know though is it's a creature and uh here in canada like northern vancouver island i'm just disgusted with all these laws that we saw and we had to fight for back in 19 mid 1980s to protect riparian zones along marshes, rivers, and streams that protect habitat for salmon and salamanders and frogs and everything else in the animal kingdom. You know, it's all thrown to the wayside. They're just clear-cutting northern Vancouver Island and other places of coastal British Columbia, and it has to stop. And the only pristine place, there's only a couple watersheds we have left that um, they haven't logged yet, and I have trail cameras in two of them because if i can get that perfect trail camera picture then maybe we can look at protecting the rest of the watersheds because we as humans are a parasite we're consuming this planet in canada it's disgusting what's taking place with raw log export to the orient of our forests and our forests being clear-cut and it's only people like us that are on the front lines of sasquatch bigfoot community as we call it but it's more than community. It's a cause. And the cause needs to win. And we will win. But unfortunately, we're going to have to bring one of them in in order to win. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that would be the one upside of it is you'd get protection. Gosh knows how that, what form that would take. It could go a lot of ways. But might become too much protected. But at least, at least... Well, yeah, it'd be protected. And I wouldn't want it to happen to them what happens 
what's happening to the gorillas in the Congo right now because they're being poached at an alarming rate. Yeah, and that's the thing with, with people is they get so upset over killing a Sasquatch. And most of the public thinks we're chasing unicorns anyway. And yeah. But where's the outrage for the gorillas? Where's the outrage for the chimpanzees being slaughtered? Yeah. You have to be, if you're going to be outraged over Sasquatch being killed, you have to be consistent in your outrage. Why aren't you upset about all the gorillas getting slaughtered? That's a known primate, and they are slaughtered every yeah. day. The chimpanzees are slaughtered every day. That's a known primate. And so it is kind of frustrating, you know, when you talk about this topic. And I'm always shocked the emotions that it invokes in people. This topic is red hot. Uh, I mean, you can go look at the comments on Facebook or on my website. The comments are, are red hot. And my question to all those people is, why are you here? If you're not wanting this thing to be proven, why are you here? Well, I want to learn more about it. Well, guess what? A body, you can learn a lot from a, from a dead one. And so, and that's the frustrating part on this whole subject is it's not, people get so irate over it. And, but I guess I'm, I'm kind of lost on people's mindset. Why are you here? Why are you, why are you researching, you know, the, the glorified camping, the glorified hikes, the glorified. Well, I think a lot of that has to come now to interrupt you, but I think a lot of that comes down to uh, a lot of people feel a personal connection to these things. A lot of people feel, I mean, what about all the gifting stories that you hear? What about all the people that they go out and they have an experience and I'm not going to mention names, but a lot of them go out and it's kind of on a regular basis. They leave gifts. They talk to them. What about all? And, and so I think in order for them, that's probably why they're into it. And that's probably why. And I'm I'm not defending them. I'm yeah. just saying that's probably why. I got you. Yeah. <coughs> well, because to chat, them, it, what, already, it already exists. I mean, it's in their backyard. It, you know, how many interviews have you done where people have said, oh, I will go out there and I leave this. And they leave me this, this gift. So it's a personal connection for a lot of people. And for that reason, I think a lot of people know, want to know more. Not based on uh, a scientific level, I guess is what I'm saying. I understand. What were you going to say, Tony? Well, I'll kind of just uh, backtrack a little bit with what Chuck said about the poaching. Like, I, I've, I've, again, I've made a, a video kind of talking about this a little bit with the whole poaching aspect of things where, all right, so say the government comes out and they say, yep, Bigfoot exists. What, say, say Tom takes one down. Proves its existence. The, the the government has no choice but to say yes, they're real. What then? Well, I think just like you said about the gorillas and the chimps, like there's going to be some serious poaching going on, and there, that presents a whole other dichotomy that we don't have really going on right now. Where you have, all right. So for instance, I'm a hiker. Okay, like my group is called Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research. <laughs> I don't call what I do research, though. I call what I do investigating. Like, I don't, I don't have any scientific method. I just walk out there on a trail. I go off trail, and I just start walking. That's just what I do. And so what if I'm out there wearing my getup and just, you know, brown khakis, whatever on my, on my torso, and there's poaching going on, and they see a bipedal walking two miles off trail in non-hunting season, not wearing orange, and they shoot me. Like, I, I think that's a possibility that could come and play here where, you know, if you want to say the government's looking out for us or whatever and stuff, that might be a reason why they cover it up because of that, that kind of aspect of things. And then on top of it, like, you got to worry about the reaction of these creatures. Like, all right. So like I said earlier, I believe they're very intelligent. 
So what if they start catching on that when guys are coming into the woods, times of years that they used to not, and they start seeing other Sasquatch start, start dropping around them, what happens? What happens to the psyche of the, the species of Sasquatch in these certain areas and stuff? And I use the example about the chimpanzees in Africa. And I, I still, I cannot remember the name of this war that was going on, but the soldiers were hunting these chimps and eating them for food. And so the chimps actually changed their lifestyle and became nocturnal and were awake at night hunting and stuff to stay alive for survival reasons. Now, if chimps can do that, why wouldn't Sasquatch be able to catch on that they're being killed and see that, hey, you know what, I can, I, I've, in the past, before they were killing me, I was five feet away from them. They didn't even know I was there. Well, maybe I'll start reaching my arm out and snapping their neck before they kill me. Like that, that, that might be a possibility if poaching becomes a serious problem in North America and other places. I don't think it'll become a problem. What you just said, you hit the nail on the head, the psyche of it. They've already done that. We've, indigenous people of Turtle Island, we used our spears and our mass in daytime to eradicate them from harvesting our foods. So they did like those chimpanzees. They devolved to be nocturnal up here in North America, up in Canada, on the coast. And then as far as the psyche goes, they've seen their numbers depleted by smallpox and other diseases that we brought, that the European explorers brought to North America. And their whole way of life has, has already adapted to stay the hell away from the humans. So if one does get brought in, I don't think we have to worry about poaching because they'll probably, they've already done it. That's why we haven't brought one in to date. Their psyche, their whole way of existence has evolved to ensure their survivability by staying well clear of us. But their biggest weakness, the way I see it as a hunter, is their curiosity. And that's the chink in their armor. And that's how someone's going to end up taking one down. Their curiosity is going to get the better of them. And then all of a sudden, if there's a clan present and they sit there and spread the word to the rest of them that we finally lost one. and But then again, if we look at the reports, it's already been happening. We already know there's been Sasquatches shot and brought in and governments made it disappear or what have you. So nothing's really going to change from present what so, we, our relationship is with the creatures. Tom, uh, I, so let me ask you, I mean... Like, so say it's, it's like, you know, the government says they could come out and say it's real and stuff. Like, don't, don't you think though, that there will be more people than looking for these things to hunt them down? Like, for instance, like we have a, a fairly big Bigfoot community all, all in a whole. I don't know how many, I don't have stats, but in the grand scheme of society, we're a very, very small fraction of people. And of that small fraction of people, there are very, very few people that actually go out in the woods looking for these things. And so if they became real to everybody, don't you think people would be looking more for them and looking to take them down? So therefore, maybe we would see after the first one drops, maybe we would see more dropping and therefore, you know, causing Absolutely. that domino effect. Absolutely not. Because most of those concrete city camoed cowboys that are going to be coming out, too damn noisy, stinking, stupid to get within a mile of those creatures. That. That's the way I look at it. And they're proving yeah. it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And with some of our shows out there about Sasquatch Bigfoot, they're proving it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I have no fear for the Sasquatch when one comes in, conclusive proof. The government, you know, we have to look at why isn't the government sharing us with what's at the bottom floor of the Smithsonian and the government and the military installations? Well, number one, what happened with the marbled murelette and the spotted owl? 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of hectares of federal lands and crown lands up here in Canada were protected. And one of the things the government did is up here in Canada anyway, is they said all these protesters are shutting down our railway lines, our freeways, and it's just public opinion. We're not going to get revoted in because of political suicide, harvesting these ancient rain go- rainforest groves. I know. Let's give it to the Indians. So they gave us natives, all these land claims, ancient rainforest stands. Well, now all the protesters are sitting there scratching their heads going, how do we protest an Indian? That's political suicide. The Indian tribes now are harvesting those ancient rainforests. The government's still getting the stumpage for the timber. The guy who sells the diesel and the fuel filters, he's still getting his money. And the ships that are taking those raw logs and tugboats, it's still business as usual. So that's probably what will happen up here in Canada is once it's identified, well, they'll give it to the Indians. But the Indians, like happens time and time again, greed kicks in. And next thing you know, we start harvesting. But the one thing I look at is, and it's why I have Sasquatch Island Facebook group and why I have www.hamumuadventures.com and we do Sasquatch expeditions and adventures and training programs and even urban Sasquatch safaris to learn the First Nations part. Because I have firm belief with the cell phone and the video, the cell phone with the video and the crystal clear cameras nowadays, and everyone has one, we're going to get some pretty good video conclusive proof in. And with more and more Sasquatch shows coming out all the time, look at Les Stroud, what he just announced this week with his Bigfoot television network or whatever it is. More recognition of the Sasquatch Bigfoot's going to come out. Who's going to benefit? I'm a researcher. Gasoline's about eight bucks a gallon here in Canada now for an outboard motor. So in order to offset the cost of being a researcher, I have to do expeditions. So yeah, you know, with all the podcasts and YouTube clips and television shows, and people selling T-shirts and mugs and Sasquatch coffee and beef jerky with Sasquatches. It's a huge multi-billion dollar industry. So, yeah, one gets in. There's going to be a lot of people, you know, imagine what the protests were like when that Roman shoulder shoved his spear into Jesus Christ when he was being crucified. You know, I imagine there are some protesters there up in arms. People have been up in arms about Jesus Christ for two, over 2017 years. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uprising, but in the business side of it, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to benefit, including the environmental organizations. And don't ever get it wrong. Those things aren't about their personal mandate to protect something. It's all about the business, the administration, the CEO, the vice president, and everyone who works in those big office buildings for Greenpeace and Sierra Club and the list goes on, you know. Look at Pet PETA. You can imagine how their donations are going to go up when a Sasquatch gets finally recognized as a living, breathing creature. So this is a business. Then, yeah, we're going to have people up in arms when one comes in. Look at us with this show when it airs. You know, I bet dimes to dollars this is probably going to be one of the first shows Wes Germer's ever aired where your local television networks are going to come to probably all of us and want to interview us. Because we're gonna, we've you've just created a shitstorm, and I look forward to what's coming down the pike with this program going out. Yeah, well, I'll have to have you guys back. I really appreciate all your guys' thoughts and your theories uh, on this. And Woody, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Tony Merkel, thanks so much, man. Check him out, The Confessionals. 
uh, PSR, <laughs> Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research. Uh, you can check him out on Facebook and definitely yeah. check out his podcast. And I know, Tom, you have uh, Humumu Adventures. Uh, there you go. And you do expeditions, and I recommend everyone check out the Humumu Adventures. Uh, Duke, I feel like a plugging machine here. Uh, Duke. <laughs> uh, Duke has Montana Bigfoot Project on YouTube. And, That's uh, our Montana cryptid there, the deer. Say that again? That's our Montana the deer hat. Beer. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that one. Beer. And check out his YouTube. And Chuck, as always, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the site. I really do appreciate it. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, check out the, the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. Until next time, everyone.
it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.